Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me read you something. Two men who lived in a small village got into a terrible dispute that they could not resolve. So they decided to talk to the town wise person. The first man went to the sage, that's a wise person's home, and told his version of what happened. When he finished, the wise man said, you're absolutely right. Well, the next night, the second man came to the sage's home and told his side of the story. And the wise man responded, you are absolutely right. Well, afterward, the wise man's wife chewed her husband out. Those men told you two different stories, and you told both of them they were absolutely right. That's impossible. They can't both be absolutely right. The wise man turned to his wife, and he said, you're absolutely right. (laughs) So if you were here last week, you know Israel was absolutely wrong. Isn't that a great segue? Would you like that? (laughs) They were wrong. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4. If you will, get your pen, get your pad. As I mentioned, Israel was absolutely wrong. If you were with me last week, you know, as they failed to listen to the prophet of God, Samuel. Now listen, a prophet is of no profit if he's not being listened to. Did you get that? A prophet is of no profit if he's not being listened to. Samuel is the prophet of God, but he's not being listened to. Israel decided to go to battle against the Philistines. First Samuel chapter 4, were you here with me? Raise your hand. Nice and high, please. Okay, that's good. I, that's very good. All right. So you know that Israel decided to go to battle against the Philistines without consulting the prophet Samuel. Chapter 4, verse 1 tells us the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. So God was speaking, but nobody was listening. And because nobody was listening, chapter 4 was a chapter of great loss. If you're taking notes, you could write that. Chapter 4 is a chapter of great loss. First, they lost 4,000 men in battle to the Philistines. And then they lost the ark of God that was captured by the Philistines. And then Hophni and Phinehas, you know, the pastor's boys, Uh, Eli, the high priest, his sons, uh, they lost them as they died in chapter 4. And then 30,000 foot soldiers died in chapter 4. Eli, the high priest himself, died in chapter 4. Phineas' wife um, hears that her father-in-law, Eli, and her husband, Hophni, are dead, and she dies on the birthing table. But before she actually died, the women who were standing there told her that she gave birth to a baby boy and she names the child. Anybody know? 
Very good, which means the glory of the Lord has departed. And the reason the glory of the Lord has departed is because the ark of God, which represents the glory of the Lord, had been captured. Remember, we talked about last week that Israel took the ark of God into battle as a good luck charm, hoping that it would bring them victory. They brought the ark of God into battle and they were defeated. Why? Because they were putting their hope in the ark of God rather than the God of the ark. Having paraphernalia of God and having God is not the same thing. Now, even though the ark was carried away, God was still on the throne. Chapter four is a chapter of loss for two main reasons. Number one, the backdrop of Samuel is the time of the judges when every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. And also, worship and temple services were corrupted by Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas were the pastors of the church in Shiloh. Uh, They were corrupt priests who corrupted worship and defiled the temple. And because of their disobedience and allowing evil things to take place in the house of God, God brought judgment to the people. So we come to chapter 5. The Philistines have the ark of God in their possession, but they are going to wish they didn't. I've titled this sermon, Defeat for Israel and Victory for God. First Samuel chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, saints. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. amen. Well, then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to where? Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and they set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there Dagon was fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and they set it in its place. Okay, let's stop right there. Give me your attention. Because this is too good. I have to stop right. This is too This is too good. The Philistines, listen, they take the Ark of the Covenant from Ebenezer. Anybody know what Ebenezer means? I told you last week. Ebenezer means stone of help, stone of help. They take the Ark of the Covenant from Ebenezer, stone of help, to Ashdod, which is about 35 miles into Philistine territory. When they arrive in Ashdod, they bring the Ark of God into the pagan temple and they set it before Dagon. It's a better translation to say that they set it in front of Dagon. Uh, Where they set the Ark, listen, there was a message in that. Where they set the Ark of God, that was a message in itself. Dagon was placed on a platform, the actual statute of Dagon, uh, was placed on a platform. The ark of God was set in front of it, in front of it. Uh, That was to say that the ark of God was inferior to Dagon, that the ark of God was ready to serve and submit and be beneath Dagon. Now, let me help you to understand a few things. In this culture, listen close, when you went to battle, You didn't just get victory over the people that you were battling. You got victory over their God as well. In their minds, when they got victory, it was a battle of the gods. It was a battle of whose God is stronger and whose God has more power. 
So the Philistines, to the Philistines and for the Philistines, this was a victory when they took the Ark of God last week. It was a victory for their God, Dagon. It was a victory over Israel's God, Jehovah. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Dagon. Dagon was the principal deity of the Philistines. In some way, the Philistines were related to the Phoenician seafaring people. Dagon was a very popular deity throughout the Mesopotamian world. Today, we're talking about Iraq, northern Syria, southern Turkey, and a bit of Iran. Dagon was the god of fertility and crops. Among the pantheon of Canaanite gods, Dagon was only second to El in power. The Philistines depended on Dagon for success in war, and they offered various sacrifices for his favor. Dagon was half fish, half man. The top torso and his head was of a man. From his waist down, from, at, you know, from actually middle of the torso, sort of, down looked like a fish. Um, hideous looking. So understand something. They take this beautiful box made of acacia wood, overlaid in gold, two winged cherubim facing each other on top the mercy seat, this beautiful, stunning, radiant piece of furniture, the Ark of the Covenant, and they place it below this hideous, revolting, repulsive, gruesome, awful, dreadful, horrible, horrendous, Tell us what you really think, Pastor. And just downright ugly, merman. On a platform above God. Listen, this is insulting to God. So Israel and the Philistines go to battle. The Philistines defeat Israel, which in their minds, Dagon defeated Jehovah, and they take the ark. Jehovah, into the temple of Dagon, and they put it before Dagon in obeisance. Now, it was God who allowed the Philistines to defeat Israel. Don't get that twisted. It was God who allowed the Philistines to defeat Israel. They didn't defeat God. They defeated the people of God. The people of Israel, not the God of Israel. God was using the Philistines to chastise Israel for their sin and their disobedience for allowing worship to become corrupt in the temple. God was also chastising the nation because every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. So God used the Philistines to be a whooping stick for Israel. Listen, God has used Israel to be a whooping stick to chastise other nations as well. I think of... Um, the Canaanites and the Amorites. The Canaanites were probably the most wicked, perverse people to ever grace the face of the earth. They were in the bestiality and sacrificing children. They would put babies in jars and put them in the walls of their homes. They abortion and take babies and put them in jars seal the jar, and then put them in the walls of their homes. Like you got this wall, then they'd layer it with a, a wall of jars. Uh, 
babies and then put a wall over top of it because they believed that this brought them good luck. They would do the same thing in the foundation and various foundations um, around the cities and their buildings. And this was an offering to the Canaanite God, again, for good luck. I think of Genesis 15, when God told Abraham that he was going to take his descendants down to Egypt for 400 years until the iniquity of the Amorites is complete. Remember that? God waited, and we talked about this, God waited 400 years until the Amorites, the Canaanites, were so perverse that it would be an infection to other people to allow them to live. And then God used Israel to judge them and punish them as Joshua comes marching into Jericho and he takes over the promised land. Remember, I told you that God measures time morally, not by a clock. If you don't have that written down, you should write that down. God judges people and God measures time morally, not by a clock. And if that is true, and it is, then the United States of America has judgment coming. Help us, Lord. God have mercy. God have mercy. And now more than ever, you need your brothers and your sisters. You need your church family. I need everybody to say amen. You need your church family. We all we got. Did you hear me? We all we got. It's awful. Dreadful. Evil. Ungodly and sinful. What is going on in our country today? If it is true, and I believe that it is true, that God judges a people morally, then I don't know, is there any depth of morality, lack thereof, that we haven't reached yet? Probably. I really believe the U.S., we have God to pay. We owe God. And God's going to collect. He expected us as a nation to be godly. He expected us as a nation to honor him. The principles that this nation was founded upon, God expected us to live up to that. And that is why we have been a blessed nation. Conversely, when we don't live up to that, God will judge this nation. You better pray. You, had, you need to get as close to God as possible in these here last days. Am I right about it, somebody? No time for playing around. There's no time for, Jesus is coming. I'm going to wait while you all clap your hands there. I don't. God waited for 400 years to judge the Canaanites for their wickedness. Our God is slow to anger, forgiving, and always gracious. God used Israel to judge the Canaanites, and God will use anything or anyone to give you a whooping. Why? 
because he loves you and he wants you to be holy and he wants you to be happy. I think of Proverbs 3.11. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. Deuteronomy 8.5. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord, your God, chastens you. Hebrews 12, 5, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Contrary to popular thought, listen, God is not interested in making you happy. God does not exist to make you happy. God's goal is to make you holy. And if you are holy, then you will find that you are happy. But if you are happy and not holy, you will find that you're not happy. I think that's right. God wants us to be holy. And God will do anything and allow anything. And God will discipline us at any moment, all for the sole purpose is to make you holy. God is a God who will hurt in order to heal. God will even allow you to suffer to make you holy, and then he'll heal you. So God is using the Philistines to make Israel holy, and he allowed Israel to be defeated as a chastening mechanism. Now listen, it's difficult to pin it down, but the chronology seems to indicate during this time, Samson is active. Around this time, Samson has killed 30 Philistines and taken their clothes. Many believe at this time Samson had already tied fire to the tail of foxes and burned many, many acres of Philistine country. So the fact that the Philistines have taken the Ark of the Covenant gives them a false sense of victory over the Israelites. The Philistines capture the Ark of God and they bring it into the temple of Dagon and they set it before the deity Dagon. In verse 3, look at verse 3 again. I'm confident that the people were excited in light of all that Samson is doing and his exploits. They have the ark of God in their possession. They think that God, their God is stronger than Israel's God. This is a great day for them. They're happy. They're slapping five to each other, high five, you know, pound. Yeah, yeah, we got them. And they wake up the next morning and they go to the temple and they find that their deity, Dagon, had fallen and he couldn't get up. Now, before we move forward, I want you to see something here, that they discovered the deity Dagon had fallen and couldn't get up. They discovered it in the morning. That means that God forced Dagon on his face sometime in the midnight hour. It appears to me as you look through scripture, God does his best work in the midnight hour. I told you I was going to talk about this, honey, didn't I? We were talking about this. Was it this morning or last night? I forget. We're talking about God does his best work in the midnight hour. God does his best work. Exodus 12, 29, the Bible tells us it came to pass at midnight, the Lord smote the firstborn in Egypt. 
Judges 16.3, Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and walked away with them. Psalm 119.62, at midnight I will rise to give thanks to you. Acts 16.25, at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, saying praises to God. All of this happened at midnight. In the Bible, things seem to happen at midnight. How many times has God woke you up to pray at midnight? I mean, not on the dot, y'all, now. Y'all like, well, not really. It was 1210. (laughs) All right. I mean, like, (laughs) early in the morning. God will wake you up to pray. Am I right about it? Well, sometime during the night, in the scriptures, God sent an angel and said, go down there and push that thing over. And hopefully this people will buy a clue. Notice the end of verse 3. Unwilling to accept this as an evil omen, the priest quickly picked Dagon up and put him back up on his stump. Now listen, look at me, please. I have told you, I do not think I am the brightest light bulb in the lamp. I don't think I'm the dimmest either. Don't think I'm the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I will tell you this. (laughs) Very smart people over there. (laughs) If you have to prop your God up, Houston, we have a problem. Am I right about it? I'm not that smart, okay? If you got to prop your God up, we got an issue. I'm glad I serve a God who is able to prop me up. I'm awake. I am so glad I serve a God that doesn't need to be propped up. I am so glad I serve a God who is able to save and doesn't need saving. I mean, how does that sound? I have to put my God back up on his thumb. Well, you with me on Sunday. John chapter 1, verse 14 tells us, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us 2,000 years ago. When Jesus was crucified, died and was buried in Joseph's cold, moldy tomb, the Bible teaches Jesus destroyed the power of Satan. Death no longer has dominion over us. And unlike Dagon, who needed help getting up, Jesus didn't need help getting up out of the grave on Easter Sunday morning. He didn't need help. The Bible teaches Jesus resurrected himself from the grave. Are you listening? Death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? He has gotten us the victory. On Easter Sunday morning, somebody once called it the great getting up morning. And he didn't need help on that great getting up morning. Say amen. Clap your hands for the Lord. Will you do that? He didn't need help. If your God needs your help, you got a problem. You got the wrong God. Well, it actually gets better. Look at verse 4. And when they arose early the next morning, in verse 4, if you're looking at it, say amen. 
And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. This time the head of Dagon and both palms of his hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any who came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territories. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, the ark of God of Israel must not remain with us for his hand is harsh upon us. And y'all got to stop. I got <laughs> His hand is harsh upon us and, our, and, and Dagon, our God. Therefore, they sent and gathered together themselves, all the lords of the Philistines. And they said, what shall we do with the ark of, the God, of God of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of God of Israel be carried away to Gath. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.